The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Featuring personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions, John or as he is known around the kink and fetish community. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome. There are few people who I am totally in awe of when I see their work. It may be because they do something that is so extraordinary that it literally tests the limits of my comprehension of what is possible. That is the case with our guest today, who makes fantasies into such an extreme wonder that we can all wonder what it would be like to be in them. Troy Orleans is a New York City-based professional BDSM practitioner who loves orchestrating extended, immersive, inescapable bondage scenes for those who truly love being bound. Her genuine, personable play style emphasizes connection, exploration, and expression of one's fullest self. She exists pretty much everywhere on the internet at Troy Orleans, including her website, TroyOrleans.com. The incredible Troy Orleans on what women and other wonderful humans want. They are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you ever saw an image of extreme bondage, and how did that inspire you? I believe the first um, the first image of extreme bondage that that really imprinted for me was on the Serious Bondage website. 
And um, so for the longest time, series bondage, like before they became mostly uh, series images and focused on that, they had, they would do um, interviews and, and also talk about bondage and just write stories about like the bondage experience, like the bondage aficionados would talk about it and, and just about different aspects of it. So I would, I would look at the site and I remember there was a story that they did called You Are Not Alone. And the image that went with that story was um, a photograph of uh, someone in a sleep sack. And the sleep sack was bound from toe to shoulders with individual belts uh, placed like maybe three to six inches apart. And the the body was in the middle of a room which had, which had nothing else in it but this sleep sack bound figure. And it was so powerful to me. Um, I, it, and it's a moment that I have, you know, done my best to recreate as much as possible. Um, it's also, uh, I, I actually, um, was lucky enough to get the specs for how to build the platform that, um, like the basically the the body board that the sleep sack had been bound to. So I had this. I got the specs from Dalton himself, and um, it's serious bondage. The guy who wrote the article because the article was about you know like what it meant for him, like what he loved about bondage and, and what it meant for him to, to find community and to know that, you know, this, this desire that he had with him, that he wasn't the only one who loved it and, um, and sought it. And so, uh, so Dalton was kind enough to share with me, recognizing that I too was a bondage uh, aficionado. Um, that he, um, he provided me with the specs for how to make the board. And so I have one of my own and I, yeah, I love it. It was great. If that was the first image that you saw, what was the first inkling that you had that you enjoyed the art of bondage? <laughs> well, I remember um, when I started my apprenticeship, um, you know, to, to become a, a professional uh, dominatrix. Um, I had done an apprenticeship with a woman named Domina M who's actually still practicing. She's based in Paris now. And, um, and so, and what I was attracted to, because I really had no intention of becoming a, a pro-dom at all. I just wanted to do this apprenticeship so I could just learn some techniques. And then I was gonna go like, oh, you know, sorry, I, I, I you know, I gotta go. But I was, really just so fascinated and so enthralled by the experience and everything that I was learning and the things that we got to do that I, I couldn't stop. So um, so anyway, when we did the bondage uh, section of, of the training, I just remember going like, well, what's the point? Like if they're all tied up, if they're all bound, like you can't do anything with them. And I, I didn't get it at all and then I don't know like a couple, like a month or so later we had a uh, a dungeon party at the studio and 
I remember I got to, there was someone there and I was just, I don't know. I, I was very attracted to him. I guess that's really what it fell down to. And I was just like, oh, listen, um, it's like, do you want to go in the other room and play? And, and I guess there was a, there was a, there was a rubber sleep sack mm. and an inflatable rubber sleep sack with these huge like chest holes. <laughs> and, um, and he wanted to be put in that. And I was just like, okay, well, I've never really put anybody in this before, but sure, you know, we can try it. And, and then I thought, well, you know, I'll put some electrics on you too. Cause I knew I recently learned how to do electrics. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I'm in this room and he's in the sleep sack and he's hooded and he's got these electrics and, and it's just dark and it's just the two of us. And he's just, just, you know, he's lost, you know, and clearly just like both aroused and excited and just like deeply just lost in the moment. And I got absolutely lost in there with him. And I loved just that feeling of control. I loved his vulnerability. I loved how it, like it wasn't so much about having to be active and having to do things. It was really just even about just being present with him and communing in that space where you're communing, be, con communicating beyond like words or, you know, and it's just, everything is just touch and energy. And it was, it was extraordinary. And all of a sudden I was just like, ah, I get it now. I get it. And I've been sort of like, I think so much of my bondage practice is sort of rooted in, you know, in having that connection, creating that connection of, of, of sometimes wordlessness, but just, but just the idea that you have placed yourself in my hands, in my care, and that I am going to control every moment of your experience that I can take away all of your senses and, you know, and, and just, just read you, like read your breath, feel you in the room with me. Um, yeah, it's really powerful. I have said on this podcast a number of times that I define the world we live in as the world that exists when the rest of the world goes away when we're in it. And that's mm -hmm. what you've just described. Tell me the first time that you received a note, a message, or something of that type that told you that you had made a life-changing moment for someone? I don't know. I don't know about the first time. There have been 
there have been a few. One of the earliest ones I remember was um, from someone who had heard an interview that I did on another podcast. Um, it's called The Massacast. And it was sort of like one of the earliest, um, like it was the first time that I ever heard about podcasts was when uh, it was, was this Massacast. And I was actually the uh, one of the first guests, actually it was the first guest on the Massacast. <laughs> and, um, but I, I think it, like it was so early that I didn't actually identify as myself. Like I didn't, I didn't say it was me because I was just like, I don't know who this is and I don't know what this is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're my friend. And so I'll, I'll, I'll talk with you for it. But anyway, um, but it, so it wasn't that one, but it was like the first, the first episode that I did as Troy Orleans, I think. And, um, and it may have been called Reciprocal Energy Loop was the title of it. But I just remember that someone wrote me afterwards and they said that listening listening to that podcast, again, the idea of you are not alone, you know, that it made him realize that, that it gave him the courage because he, he just sort of thought that his desires and what he wanted, that he, that he would never be able to realize them. That, you know, that maybe like someone who who understood bondage and um, and understood, you know, this like this BDSM and the way that he understood it or in the way that he desired it, like that that woman didn't exist, and hearing hearing my hearing that episode um, made him realize that at least one person existed like that. And that if one person existed like that, then there probably were others. And that it like gave him the courage to um, to to change his life. He ended his marriage, and he um, and he went off in search of of pursuing this, you know, this, this kinky dream of his. So, so yeah, that's the first one that I remember. And we became friends, like, you know, it didn't, you know, I think we like met once and had dinner or something. And um, he's a big Scrabble player too. So <laughs> just <laughs> always a way to get my attention. Um. I've noticed you like to play Scrabble. <laughs> I was halfway wondering if it was a game where if you won, you got to do things. And if they lost, like the games that my queen sometimes plays with me with math because she knows mm. I'm awful at it. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I mean, I almost always win. I, I want, I would love for someone to be, to, um, yeah. I, well, <laughs> now, now I sound a little, a little cocky, but um, it, yeah, I, I really love Scrabble. I play, I play, often and I play fluently so what was it like walking into your own space for the first time <laughs> well I remember when I was looking at spaces and trying to figure out 
um, like trying to actually find a space to to, to rent um, in New York, like you know, an, an empty space that I could turn into my studio. Um, I remember looking at this one space and 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 saying, you know, and, and prior to that, you know, for the three years, so I started, I started my apprenticeship in February 2004, and I became officially a, a dom. Um, I graduated from my apprenticeship program in uh, in. It's like March 2004, and I signed the lease on my first space in February 2007. And prior to that, so for the first year, I worked out of Luxuria, which was Domina M's space, and that was a beautiful space, and I liked it. Uh, you know, I, I liked it a lot, but it was very much her, you know, it's her space. Um, and then after that, I bounced around at a couple of commercial houses where I would just, you know, be a, be a, a, a renter. Um, and that, you know, some of them were really horrible. It was, you know, just, just, you know, they were dirty or they were ill-equipped or just not, not well-maintained. Um, I remember I went to um, Ariana's space, um, Mistress Ariana, who's a, a New York City legend. Um, she's a rubberist and she was the owner of the owner and operator of the Parthenon, um, also known as New York's rubber studio. And, um, and I remember going there for the first time and being like, ah, okay, this feels like a place where this feels like a place that is more reflective of me. Um, and what I particularly liked were that there were a lot of experienced women who were using the space. So I thought that it would be a great opportunity for me to observe some really talented women who've, who had also made a career of this. I also love that Misha Sariana was a black dom and that she was a gear enthusiast like I was. And so it was, it was inspiring to me to see someone who looked like me, who was in the space and, you know, and so focused on bondage and, and, and gear and equipment and, you know, and had the technical skill and really embraced that. Um, so I, so that was, you know, I was happy to have that as my bondage home at the time. From there, um, like I got to the point where I was just going, okay, like I can control my session and control my client, but now I'm having a hard time controlling my environment in this, you know, public or commercial space. And so I knew that I wanted to get my own place. Um, and coincidentally, like right when I was having that feeling and just wondering, like, well, how do I do that? How do I know that this is the right move? Uh, Domina M had, um, had decided to go on sabbatical and she said, hey, Troy, would you be interested in subletting my dungeon? By that time, she'd moved to a place in Wall Street. And I thought, OK, it's just basically like, you know, you will pay the, like it, it'll be equipped and stocked and everything. You'll just have to you'll just be responsible for the rent for the space. And it's it'll be completely yours. So this was like a great opportunity for me to just test drive and see, like, can I handle that kind of overhead? Um, you know, how comfortable am I working alone, like in a space alone? Like, does this really work for me? And I found out that it did. Um, so that was exciting. And I was like, okay, I, I can do this. I can make this work. So I was looking at 
at studio spaces. And I remember when I walked into to this one, you know, Domina M space was just like a single shot train ride, subway ride from my house to her studio. And, but Ariana's on the other hand was I, in order to get to hers, I always had to transfer lines um, to get to hers. And the new place that I was looking at was very close to Ariana's space. And I just remember going like, ugh, I don't want to do that commute. I don't want to go back to switching trains. I really don't want to do that. And then my friend was just like, yeah, but, you know, if it gets late and you don't want to take the subway home or, you know, you don't want to take a taxi, you can just stay there. You can just spend the night. And it was such a just eureka moment for me. Like, oh, I could. It's mine. I'm so delighted. Um, and the funny thing is, is that I very rare. I mean, now I, I don't even, I never stay the night at my studio unless <laughs> I, um, unless like I'm doing an overnight, you know, and I have a, a client staying with me overnight as well. But um <laughs> Yeah, but that was that was very much that was that was really exciting for me. I mean, I would say that the moment though that I really felt like, wow, I am so lucky. I cannot believe this is mine. Was um, you know, so I was in that initial space from 2007 to 2014, and then in 2015, I moved to another space, still in the same neighborhood. And I had a friend who helped me, um, like, just do the interior design of it. And we really, like, treated the, a lot of the equipment as art. So we would hang it on the walls and display it in ways that just made it, like, not just, oh, here's a bunch of gear, but actually, displayed them with reverence and appreciation for the craftsmanship because so much of the craftsmanship because so much of the um, of the gear and the equipment that I have is you know particularly by that point was custom made was you know sometimes designed by me um, it was you know or or just made by other people in community who are also connoisseurs and artisans who who love bond who also love bondage and and, and wanted to make just beautiful bespoke items that um, can restrain and contain. So so yeah so then so so that space in particular just I remember how it turned out it was and I like I walked in like the first day like after we like kind of wrapped and it's like midnight and we're leaving whatever and then I walked in the next day and just saw it fresh and it took me here. Now I have to ask what was the first apparatus or uh, outfit that you designed and what were your emotions when you first used it? Okay, that's kind of a funny story. <laughs> I love funny stories. 
<laughs> well, so the first thing that I designed, and it was really more of a collaboration. It wasn't like I just designed the whole thing, but it was more of a collaboration. And that was my suspension rig. And um, my suspension rig was created by Metalbound, uh, which is a, uh, a bondage furniture company in South Florida. And, uh, and the guy who runs it is a guy named Corey. And so I talked to Corey and he had made a bunch of the suspension rigs. Like I, part of why I contacted him was because he had made all the suspension rigs that I knew of in the city. And so I thought, okay, well, I know at least that this is going to be like responsible and safe and weight graded, like engineered properly and so on. Um, but I also like the idea of custom work, you know, that I could design and say what I wanted. So I was clear with what I wanted. I said, okay, I want it to be these dimensions. I want it to have a center tracking beam. I want it to have multiple bondage points around, like all over the rig that are weight, you know, weight load bearing. And I wanted to have four individual suspension hoists, um, you know, that are also, that are also weight graded. And we talked about finishes and so on. And I, like, I had a vision in my mind about what it would look like, but I'm not an engineer. So a little, so, so much of this, I had to kind of leave, leave to Corey as far as like how the actual design would be. And, um, but we talked about like metal and I, to this day, I actually have the little metal samples that he sent me. <laughs> with um like okay well you can have like this acid wash finish you could have um a clear finish or you could have this um no finish at all and he talked about the different patinas that each would develop over time so so i was really like i was interested in that and i kind of opted for the clear finish and um and but then he basically, he sent me a picture of the rig in his workshop and it was kind of like, I'd say a good 70% done. And he's just like, okay, well, you know, almost finished. And that was the first that I had seen of, of this manifestation of, of my specifications. And I kind of went like, <gasps> and I said, it's kind of, um, industrial it's uh, and he goes it's a dungeon troy and i said no it's not a dungeon it's a studio it's a salon the idea is to create the space that is that is accessible and inviting but built for serious play like and he goes it's gonna be fine don't worry about it listeners i was very worried but, but then it shows up and what it and what what it turned out was to see you know, cuz i was very worried that it was just going to be just so gothic and hard and not and not warm enough i guess but instead it actually acted as this really nice contrast and focal point you know, with a little exclamation point at the end of it in the room. And so it kind of, you know, but it wasn't so dominant in the room that you didn't notice anything else, but it was still very strong and assertive there that you couldn't ignore it. And, and it actually, and it was just, 
it was it was and is actually perfect and that was I that was really the first serious bondage piece I ever got I you know my, my first serious piece of, of of dungeon equipment or salon equipment and um and it is what has amazed me so I, I think I got it in 2007 2008 um it has grown with me you know it's now I've had it for 15 years it has grown with me at, as much as I've grown anything that I have evolved to be able to do in my skill set. This rig has been able to do it. It has met me at every every point. And I look now at the patina on the metal, and I think about those early conversations with Corey, and I look at the original little sample wedge that he sent me, and it's this beautiful marker of time and practice that I just it really just I, I appreciate it so much I feel like I've gotten lost already with you in the, just the first segment of this wonderful show and when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want presented by Dating Kinky we will Delve into the amazing bondage artistry of Troy Orleans when we return. We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thanks, Catsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? <laughs> or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, <laughs> uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. Kink for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners written by Princess Natasha Strange, that's me, <laughs> is available on Amazon. Go get it now. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at www.podcast. And if you want to follow the host, 
That's easy as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Presented by Dating Kinky. Thank you, Nookie, and welcome back to the program. Honored to be joined by professional bondage artist, Troy Orleans. You talked in the first segment about the scene that you had with the person in the rubber sleep sack. And you talked about the fact that it seemed like he was getting lost in the moment, but maybe you found something new within yourself. When you play and you are placing all those straps and all those implements on someone, what is the feeling that goes through your heart as you're doing that from the top side? Because I can imagine what the bottom side is like. I'd love to hear it from your side. Hmm. A lot of it is very uh, technical. Um, what I'm thinking of is structural, but and that's that's some of it. It's it's strate- strategic. Um, it's thinking about you know some t- it's it's thinking about things like order of operations. So you know if I'm going to if my intention is to place twelve to fourteen straps on a the body, then I have to make sure that all the straps are laid out underneath the body first. Because you can't, it's like harder to slide the straps underneath the body that's already bound and, and down. Um, and you know, and if there's any kind of electrics or insertables or activity that's going to be going on underneath, then that stuff has to happen before the straps get put in. Um, so. So it's order of operations. Like a lot of it is just very, it's very technical. It's also thinking about, okay, what's the how how tight am I going to make this first round? Because you always have to go back and make them tighter. <laughs> uh, can't get too comfortable. And um, so it's things like that. And you know, and I'm observing um, in a more you know, from a more um, energetic or sensual place. I love the layering. I love feeling, thinking about rendering them helpless of thinking about and and actualizing this experience of of sensations and the creation of sensations and the elimination of sensations. The other thing that, you know, one of the things that really excites me about bondage is this sort of objectification. It's all at once, you know, like turning someone into a sculpture, using the bondage, using the leather, using using whatever mediums are to 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 shape them. 
to fix them into place, to hold them. I think about the idea of someone being vulnerable and helpless. I think about them just getting to that point of just them knowing that they are truly fucked, that that they are completely in my hands and at my mercy. And it's not at my mercy because I necessarily want to do like cruel or sadistic or torturous things to them, but is but it is more that they are dependent on my care. However, I might need that out. Um, and I find that enchanting. And and I love that idea of their, I love to feel their surrender in that moment, to feel their exhale. And it's, it may, whether it's an exhale of resignation or of acceptance, but this is what it is. This is their life now, until I say otherwise. And I find that intoxicating as a top. I'm nearly speechless because my mind wanders and a little bit romanticizes the joy of that kind of helplessness. the joy of living a life of having to make decisions on everything and being forced to not be able to make a decision on anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's joy, there's liberation in that, you know, the, the nice thing is, is that, um, you know, when you are with me, you're in my hands, um, and I am the decider, I am the protagonist, and you, there's nothing for you to do except for what you're told. And um, because I'm the one who anticipates and controls and, and, and holds that space. Um, Yeah, and and it it is lovely. It is, and 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 I think of it. I see it. I see it as a gift. The ability to to do that for someone, it's a gift. Um, and you know, and it's and it's a priceless gift. I mean, for all of us who have decision fatigue, <laughs> it is. It is an absolutely invaluable gift to have someone that you trust who takes responsibility for your care and says, I will decide for you. You receive, submit, surrender, 
you know, however, however your, however your kink kinks, <laughs> however your bent is kinked. Um, but yeah, that it is, it is, it's, it's such a privilege, and, and I, I welcome the opportunity to honor that. But I also recognize in that my power and you know it doesn't feel like it it never feels to me like service so much as benevolence um generosity um and you know and it does feel you know as provider i am the one who has the power and I have the power to, to give it. And I also have the power to withhold it. And I really get off on that too. <laughs> so. That's joy. Yeah. Is there a moment after you've tightened the last strap that you step back and you breathe and you observe what you've done and a little bit of pride and joy goes through you and says, that's how I imagined it. Um, yes and no. Um, do I... Do I take time to admire and revel in my work? Absolutely. Um, I very rarely go into a session with any predetermined ideas about what I'm going to do with them or how I'm going to read them. Part of the reason for that is that, you know, I think, you know, and I tend to discourage folks from you know, coming in with any preconceived ideas themselves. And the reason why is because like every day is different. Every day is dynamic. And so I want, you know, how you come in today and what your body is capable of today is going to be different from what it's capable of tomorrow. Maybe you've had more sleep or less sleep, more, you're more hydrated, less hydrated. Your stress levels might be different, you know, you might have slept one way and you got a little crick in your shoulder, like all kinds of things that are, are to be considered that, that make each experience unique. Um, so I try not to be very attached to outcomes um, in a scene. I really am much more interested in being fluid and dynamic and adaptable and going wherever our inspiration and energy takes us, you know, and I, I also very much encourage, you know, and this is before we get to that point of being fully bound and immobilized and sense and with the sensory deprivation and being held in that space for however long you 
need to be uh, held. Um, you know, I've had people in sleep sacks for days. Um, and, um, you know, so however long it, it may be, before we get to that, you know, part of what I want is that collaboration, that idea of, you know, of, you know we'll, we'll talk in the beginning and we'll just say like, you know, what, what do you, like, how do you want to feel? Because sometimes people want to feel really challenged and intense. Sometimes people want to sink and float. Sometimes they want to be turned on. Sometimes they want to be, they want to feel just overwhelmed. Um, you know, there are all kinds of different feelings that you want to have. So I want to like know where the, what it is you're trying to feel and, and use that to, to build an experience off of. I remember the opportunity of getting to play with Amanda Wildfire and Queen P. And when they placed me as I'm wearing an inflatable latex cat suit into this leather sleep sack and put the straps over top of it, and there was no place I could move. I mean, they even put things in my hands so my hands couldn't touch the other part of my hands. Mm -hmm. It was the safest I've ever felt in my life. Mm. Yeah. Um, when you say it, I like to be out about bondage. Um, you said so your hands couldn't touch the other parts of your hands. What was used to separate your fingers? It was, there was a mitt, but she gave me something to hold. And by the time everything got pushed in, I couldn't move my fingers. It wasn't any, if I, if I was straining enough, I probably could have put them in, but it was just so, t the mitts were so tight that I couldn't move the hands mm -hmm. once I'm so holding some... onto this thing. So there was like a like a foam ball or mm -hmm. some sort of foam pad that was underneath your hand. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and and the mitts were rubber, or were the mitts the mitts were rubber leather? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I and was, I don't do I don't do a lot of rubber bondage. Um, you love your leather. <laughs> I did. I did. I love. I love my leather. Um, but uh, yeah, and. Mostly, I don't do rubber bondage because I don't, I don't have anybody to clean it for me. Like the maintenance, <laughs> the care and maintenance of rubber just is—it's so overwhelming, and, and the, just the sweat factor. There's all kinds of things that, but the one thing that I do miss about rubber that I, I, you know, that that makes me regret is that because I don't have like a significant rubber collection, at all, like the things like the streamlines of rubber, like it, it, and the fact that you can layer. It so much more easily than leather because it's it's so thin and you can kind of create these different things so you can like have somebody's hand restrained and then put something over it and you can put something over that that's just oh, so nice um, <laughs> I don't want to 
one of my ongoing um, challenges is perfecting uh, foot and hand restraint in uh, in leather bondage. It's a constant quest for me. So sometimes I get close. I have to ask because I'm totally curious. Have you experienced one of your predicaments done on you? Oh, have I experienced like bondage done on me? In yeah, something as I mean, intense as you do? No, God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, well, probably not. Um, the closest that I get um, is I will occasionally... Um, I've had someone put me, you know, like I've talked somebody through putting me in a sleep sack and then suspending the sleep sack, doing a spring suspension with the sleep sack. Um, and, you know, and I'll wear a blindfold while that is. Now, the reason why I do it, because I, I call it um, meditation, levitation, mm -hmm. um, that experience, the weightlessness of the spring suspension and the the immobilization and the sensory deprivation, or at least like having uh, noise blocking headphones on and a blindfold, um, it's it's like being in a flotation tank, like a sensory deprivation flotation tank. Um, and what I, in my experience and the experience of many others, that being held like that for half an hour is like taking the best three hour nap ever, but you wake up, but you come out of it after 30 minutes, um, feeling all at once integrated and embodied, but also refreshed. And it is, and, and very like well-rested, but refreshed. So there's no nap hangover. There's no just sort of like grogginess or whatever. It is just a, ah, oh, wow. So Every once in a while, and it hasn't happened, I haven't done it in years at this point, but um, but it is it is a huge treat to to go into a suspended into a spring suspension, sensory deprivation spring, spring, spring suspension. Say that six times fast. <laughs> I may try sensory that. Depriva as... Sensory deprivation sling suspension. Swing, no, spring suspension, sensory deprivation, spring suspension. Okay, there we go. We'll invite our audience to try that during this break as we will be back <laughs> with more with Troy Arlene. <laughs> what an amazing conversation we're having today on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want presented by Dating Kinky. This is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. 
My book, Yes Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor, and thriver, power exchange and polyamory, submissive versus wife, the practical contract guide, relationship shorthand, as well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Hi there. I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on what women and other wonderful humans want. Thank you, Nookie, and welcome back to the program, joined by Troy Orleans, just an amazing artist. And one of the things that you love is extended, dare I say, multi-day immersions. Now, Mm -hmm. having had my first experience just being in a dungeon for an experience, expanded period of time over my birthday I have a hunch that you're even thinking of as you mentioned bondage that lasts for days sure you know I've I've done quite a few sessions in which someone spends um, the longest it's been is four days where they were in bondage the entire time now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like full body bondage or full immobilization bondage, but some part of them was always in bondage for the entire time that we were together. And that's, that's, you know, it's exciting. It's, it's thrilling for both of us, honestly. Um, but I love, um, I love immersive bondage experiences, whether they're in my studio or, or, or even just like immersive BDSM experience is probably uh, even a better way to describe it because it's not necessarily all bondage all the time, although it's great when it is. Um, but it's also, you know, incorporating things like, you know, bondage is what I'm really known for, but I also love impact play. I love um, edge play, which I use as sort of like a catch-all for things like electrical play and, um, you know, in a few other things um so so uh so so yeah so it's like just having these extended experiences what which I think of as both a taste of like lifestyle you know so that like because one of the things that that always frustrated me about the, the conventional like 
Prodom session was the idea that the clock was the ultimate top in that situation. And so it didn't, you know, you know, or the clock or, or someone's, you know, like whatever they had budgeted for their session or whatever, like they paid for two hours and I'm going to get two hours. But like, I wanted, you know, I, I don't really work with a clock in my scenes um, because I really want to have that experience of like, you don't really know when it's going to end. In most of, most of the cases you'll have like sort of a, a general idea um because most of the people who see me have lives outside of this so they can't necessarily turn themselves over but occasionally we're you know I, I love when we are able to create an experience where they can really turn themselves over to me I've had scenes with people where we have met in New York and played and then flown to San Francisco and played and you know and had like a multi-day thing in San Francisco I've had them where they've turned up to visit me in New York and um we have then you know had a tour where either like numerous doms have come in uh to have their way with them during their stay or that they have been sent on a kind of uh Dom treasure hunt, Dom hunt, where they are, um, you know, go from dungeon to dungeon throughout the city and uh, to be, you know, reporting to be uh, taken over by a different Dom. And I kind of direct them and um, orchestrating, you know, elaborate things like that. But then just as powerful and beautiful is just when someone comes over and we just really spend the time and dig in and just explore our fantasies and really figure out like who we are, what brings us joy, how we want to feel, to really be, to be present in a way that we so rarely get to be in this modern world we're often distracted by screens and and other people and whatever but to have that singular focus um is also a joy and a privilege and and a gift um so i love i love that meditation um to the communal meditation of just going through like taking just a deep dive into my collection of gear and equipment in this beautifully bespoke space with all of like some gear that you, you that you can't find anywhere else in the world you know or that maybe I have a piece I have, there, I have several pieces where they're like one of maybe two or three in existence and they're incredible if there are even like sometimes I have the only one. So so at, like I just I just love getting to go crazy and just go deep and see what we're both made of. Um 
you know, and, and to not stop until we're just exhausted and spent and sated. You know? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I've done about 170 episodes of this podcast. And I don't believe in that time I have heard anyone that is so in love with what they do. You can tell that your heart controls your mind on this. That your passion for what you do literally jumps out through your words and your expressions. And when you see somebody that is like that, you can't help but imagine what it is to be like to be around that passion. Fun is what it's like. And to be wrapped Exciting. up in that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I, what, one of the things that I just find so beautiful about my practice, you know, and like, first of all, I very much believe that, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I do this professionally because it's like the easiest way for me to, to, to get what I want out of this, which is to be able to play with a variety of people and to be able to afford to have the gear and, you know, and people who actually, you know, like what I love are the people who come to me who are just like, I have been tying myself up since I was five years old. This is, it is what it is, what drives me, what I'm obsessed with. Like I want those folks. And I love that they can come to me and we can live out that dream together. Like we can just have that, like I, I call it like the highest expression of the pose, you know, it's just like, we are going to do this. Like, and I want to do this in a way that makes you feel celebrated and, and makes us both so grateful to be here and to have, and to be, to have met each other and to be able to do this together. Like that's, that's so fucking amazing. And it, it is such a, it's such an honor. It is, it's, it's my favorite thing. Like I love, like it, it's, sometimes I'm kind of stunned because like, I, I don't know, in some ways I'm really under the radar in a lot of ways, or it's like, I'm, I can't think of the, and sometimes I use the analogy, like a chef analogy. Like I'm, like I'm a chef's chef or I'm a dom's dom. Like, I, like dom's know me, but like a lot of like the public public I'm not you know I don't have a gajillion followers on social media um and so it's not that but like so it's but it's still since I've been doing this for almost 20 years at this point that I I'm always surprised when people are just like I've never heard of you but or I you know, or maybe like they'd heard my name, but they'd never really investigated. And then they find me and they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I found you. <laughs> and invariably, I'm like, I was so glad you found me too. Like finally, um, because it's, it is thrilling. It's just fucking thrilling to meet people who get it, 
and and you know to just be in the same space with them where they get it and it's not about like it's about the bondage it's about that immobilization it's about the inescapability it is about the just feeling secure and held and it's about being able to just let go like you don't you don't have to worry it's it's this it's the surrender it's like going to a restaurant like and and, and the omakase menu the tasting menu when the chef is just like Shh, close your eyes open your mouth save your voice and i oh it's just it's awesome so yeah i do i do love it and it blows me away that it's like been 20 years and i still get this excited about it i still i still want to do it i still i'm still i'm still grateful for it and you know it's like i have you know over the years taken up different things and had great successes outside of this field outside of this world and yet i cannot give it up it cannot stop um so because it's it's just it's it's great <laughs> when you friended me on FET the other day i immediately had a friend of mine text me from minnesota and she is a lovely woman called ordinary woman of all things that's her fet profile name mm. and she said john you've introduced me to the person i want to be <laughs> i want to be troy orleans well and that ordinary woman may not because i am mm -hmm. <laughs> but here was the compliment that she was sending she said that she had visualized the kind of bondage that she's always wanted to do. And in seeing the pictures that you had, it was the first time that she actually felt like somebody understood her. And I preface this by saying, you have a passion for this, but I think from our conversations that you'd like to be able to pass this passion on by either teaching or informing or doing something that really helps others understand not only who you are, but why you are. Hmm. Well, one of the things that I am aware of, like after 20 years, one of the things that one thinks about is legacy um but i also after 20 years the other thing that i think about is just that you know like i said um you know i'm not someone with 20,000 instagram followers or 50,000 instagram followers i don't do like bdsm videos and um i don't you know i have an only fans but it's minor um and 
So what that means, though, is that, you know, because what are the things you covet? You covet, I mean, for a lot of people, they covet what they get to see because of social media and because of like the way images happen on social media. Mostly what you get to see is a lot of ass. And, um, and that's, you know, and that's great. But I have always, you know, like one of the reasons why I stopped advertising one of the many reasons I stopped advertising was because at some point it became that the advertising platforms would say like, oh, well, you can show pictures of yourself in lingerie, but you can't have a photo of someone wearing a hood or someone wearing a uh, bondage gear. And I thought, well, I'm not selling myself in lingerie. I'm selling bondage and bondage gear. Um, and so, but what that also means is that it gets harder for me to find, you know, and, and harder for them to find me, the, the folks who really love bondage. And moreover, for the popular doms that are out there, if they're not, you know, if so much of their work is, you know, except it's video friendly, like pegging or um, DS, explicit DS stuff, then um, then that tends to be like you see it and that's that's what you want. Like if that's all, if all you see in the catalogs are blue jeans and polo shirts then after a while you're just like okay well I like that blue jean and polo, and, you know, polo shirt and you know and not you but you never get to they're like oh kilts because you don't see any kilts to, to know that you like them you might think you might like a kilt but you don't know until you see it anyway um so to that end like one of the things that I think about a lot is is you know, and I'd kind of avoided it for a really long time, avoided teaching um, or mentoring because my style is very specific. Also, my bondage gear is very specific and in many cases unique. So it's really hard to say, okay, well, this is how you do spring suspension because, well, this is how I do a spring suspension on my rig. If you don't have this rig, then you're going to have to do it a different way. So it's hard to think about things to teach that are universal in that sense. But I'm working on a, you know, a bondage fundamentals workshop that isn't necessarily about advanced bondage, like spring suspension, but is more along the lines of this is the what and this is the why, because so many people teach the how, and the how is somewhat important, but it's why you do it, why you, why you would put someone in a sleep sack versus putting them in a straight jacket, why you tighten things this way, you know, a little bit of you know, like what order of operations are for bondage and just sort of thinking about bondage in that way that's a little bit more 
uh, adaptable and and so on. So it is, it's still a project I am in development on at the moment. I am chasing a gajillion rabbits. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm not quite sure when I'm going to catch the, the workshop rabbit and, and really wrangle it into, into something deliverable. But, um, if anyone is interested in learning, you're more than welcome to go to my website at troyerleans.com and request to be added to my mailing list and you will be updated thusly. And I know- And also, you... I was gonna say, and also gonna follow my social media because I'm sure I'll be announcing it there too. So I'm Troy Orleans everywhere. It's always nice to have that great personal branding. Yeah. Speaking of chasing rabbits, I hear there's some rabbits that are loose in South Florida that you're chasing right now. <laughs> I'm in the middle of uh, of building out uh, another space down here. And this one's it's going to be smaller than uh, my studio in New York, Salon d'Orleans. But it's still going to be very functional and still, like, obsessively well-equipped. So, um, so the idea is to do um, either like weekend getaways or weekday getaways, like, you know, some a multi-day kind of lifestyle experience here or even just shorter things that are just like a nice, a nice escape. Um, so I am, uh, I'm looking forward to that and that we should be ready. I should be ready. We, it, we, me and all the contractors. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> we should be, <laughs> we should have it all done in, uh, by I think fall of this year. Are you ready? So I'm excited for that. I cannot thank you enough for the amazing stories you've told today. I'm sure that there are dozens of other questions that I would like to ask you. And at some point, I'd love to revisit with you, maybe after Miami is complete. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, doing an interview inside your salon might be quite interesting. <laughs> well, I thought at some point you were going to ask me, well, this podcast is called What Do What Women Want. You have not once asked me what I wanted. <laughs> well, that is a very good point. The podcast started as how people connect with each other. Mm. So I will ask you, as you look ahead in life, what do you want? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> you would think that with that, with that, with that uh, observation, I would have had an, uh, an answer prepped already, but I don't. Um, let's see, but what do I want? This woman, I want, I want. I want people to have a vocabulary. Like I want people to feel that they have permission and are empowered to consider, to think about what they want. And I want them to have the vocabulary to ask for it. And that's myself included. 
I want to, um, you know, I want, I want more people to, to be able to, 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 to have a vocabulary, to be open to exploring bondage um, and asking for what they want within bondage or asking what they want for like within the context of EDSM specifically their pleasure and their desires in general. Um, I feel like a lot of us kind of go through life never stopping to consider what we really want. Mm. And, you know, we think about what we're supposed to want or what we have to do, but we don't really give that time and consideration and space to understanding what we want. So I'd like to change that. May I try to answer that question? Because it seems like something that would be interesting to answer. Well, you are a wonderful human, so I suppose you can. <laughs> I would like to be put in a state of total immobilization where I am comfortable but never be allowed to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. I want to experience what it's like to know what I want but discover what I need. Mm -hmm. I want to be in a place where I feel safe yet scared happy, yet emotional and possibly sad, but brought to a place where I, my emotions and my heart are full. And to take that journey one day. To finally know that I'm worthy of it. Mm. Yeah, that's really nice. If you have a primary play partner, I would strongly encourage you to have that conversation with them. I now wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, then maybe what you also want is to find that person. So I wish you, wish you the best of luck in that discovery. I wish you all the best, and I can't thank you enough for picking up the phone and calling me that day and saying, imagine the possibilities of getting to talk about this. And it was <laughs> everything I imagined and more. Troy Orleans, thank you so very, very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Can you tell that Troy Orleans does everything with passion and purpose? What an incredible artist she is. I'm looking forward to following her work and seeing what comes of this beautiful new studio she's opening up in South Florida, a place that has become near and dear to my heart. And I look forward to seeing her there someday. Here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. 
she is the founder of Dating Kinky and the executive producer of our show. But this time, she wants to talk about boundaries and how boundaries can make things so much better for each and every one of us. She is Nookie Notes, next time on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And if you want to hear what she sounds like, she sounds like this. A new edition of the show premieres next Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, special thanks to Troy Arlene's for joining us and to you. I know I mentioned that we might take a bit of a summer vacation and be back in July, but there's a lot of shows still to come and we're going to get them all in as we head towards FetishCon 2023 in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 10th through 13th. I'll be there doing live from the red carpet, as well as some special podcasts and live events from the entire weekend down in St. Petersburg. You can get your tickets at fetishcon.com and we would absolutely love to see you there. As a matter of fact, if you go to FetishCon or if you're going to FetishCon, get a hold of us because we would absolutely love to meet each and every one of you. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast, and now select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. 